you've got your Bible with you this morning, you can meet me in John chapter 4. We're going to be in the bulk of John chapter 4 today. If you want to use one of those blue Bibles in front of you, it is page 889. John 4, we're going to begin in verse 1. This has to be one of the most well-known stories in the Gospel of John. Uh, one of the most well-known encounters that Jesus has in John's very strange and, and different Gospel. It's a story that only John tells. It's a, it's a story that we think of a lot. and Apparently there's songs about, that I've not even heard of about this, this story. This is a, just one of those personalities we think of when we think of the Gospel of John. But we never learn this woman's name. We're never given a name for her. But we can imagine what the people in her community must have called her because it's likely we've heard similar words used about people in our community. From what John tells us, it seems apparent that those in her community judged her. They knew her mistakes. They knew her past. They knew what she had done. They knew what wrong she had done. They knew, they knew her shame. And it must have, they must have constantly reminded her of everything that she wasn't. And the first thing that she wasn't is she wasn't welcomed. I have said it so many times, I feel like it's a broken record with me, but one of the things I've said in many sermons, I've reminded you, small towns have long memories. We don't forget past mistakes. And we've seen that truth in our, in our community. Sometimes, sometimes you are guilty because of what you have done, even though you may have done it decades ago. And sometimes you're guilty because you happen to share the same last name of someone else who became infamous in the community. People hold on to the past. It's difficult for us to allow folks to change. We don't know this woman's name. We don't have to. What John doesn't want us to miss is her story. The beginning of the story or the end of her story. So we'll begin in the beginning. Chapter 4, verses 1-7. through seven. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus Himself did not baptize, but only His disciples, He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. We know her as the woman at the well. But that's not what her neighbors called her. If they were being kind, they may have said that she's the woman who's not at the well. The woman who's not at the well when everyone else was at the well. But for Jesus, this woman was His reason for being there at that well, being there in that town in Samaria. He was there to encounter her and for her to come and see who Jesus was and what it was that He offered. 
John tells us there in verse 4, all that verse 4 says is that he had to pass through Samaria. No, he didn't. No one had to pass through Samaria. There were plenty of roads around Samaria. You could get places without having to go through Samaria. No one, no, no good Jew would have gone through Samaria. It wasn't necessary. It wasn't clean. And it wasn't safe. And yet, John is particular He's with all of his details here. And he's particular to tell us Jesus had to go to Samaria because I'm convinced he had an appointment with this woman. And it makes me wonder how many other appointments Jesus has out there. How many he has with people in our community, in our circle of friends, people that we know. People that we know not necessarily by name, but we know them by reputation. There are people in our lives we know by their shame, even if it's a shame that they've carried from, from long ago. You see, I believe, I believe there are people in our lives that Jesus longs to meet. If Jesus was willing to go out of His way to go to Samaria, to this little town, to sit by this well in the heat of the day just to encounter one woman who remains nameless to us, then I know there are people in our lives that Jesus longs to encounter. He longs to meet. And I know that He longs to use you and me to arrange those introductions. Are we willing to introduce them to Jesus? Are we willing just to ask Him, just, just come and see. Just come and see. Again, John is very particular with his details here. He's already told us that, that Jesus had to go to Samaria. Samaria, if you know anything, these are the ancient and hated enemies of the Jews, the Samaritans. He tells us the name of the town. The town is Sychar. He tells us the time of day. He says it's about the sixth hour. The sixth hour, that is just about noon. And that's significant too, because noon is not the time of day that you came to draw water from the well. The women of the community would come early in the cool of the day, not in the blazing heat of the noonday sun. They would come in the cool of the morning. They would gather. They would help each other. They would share the news. They would talk. They would share a little gossip around the well. We're meant to notice that this woman wasn't there at that time. She came later. See, she wasn't included. She wasn't welcome there. Now, they likely talked about her when they gathered at the well, but by going later, she, she didn't have to hear it, even though she had to endure the heat of the day. John is sure to inform us that this is Jacob's well. Also, this is a well that their patriarch father, Jacob, had dug this well. He had fed his children. He had given, fed his livestock. He had given his children drink from this. Last week, if you remember, we were with, we were with Jesus when he encountered Nathaniel in John chapter 1. And he told Nathaniel, if you follow me, you will see great things. You will see greater things than you've ever seen before. In John chapter 1, verse 51, he tells Nathaniel, you will see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, on Jesus Himself. You see, that, that was a vision that Jacob, the one who dug this well, that was a vision that Jacob had had. 
That night that he laid down to rest and used a stone for a pillow, he had a dream of a ladder extending to heaven and the angels of the Lord ascending and descending upon that ladder. And Jesus says to Nathaniel, that's me. That's who I am. I am that connection from heaven to earth. This encounter with this woman at the well, it is bigger than just her and Jesus. This is heaven and earth meeting together at this well. This is heaven and earth meeting for her. Again, verse 7, the woman from Samaria, Samaria came and drew to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For His disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to Him, Well, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for, for a drink for me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. The woman said to Him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And this well is deep. Where are you going to get living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will be will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. You and I hear her response, her question, and we hear it through our very Christian ears, and we know that Jesus is talking about eternal life. We know that He's talking about heaven. Because when we were little, we sang that song that said, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. And we talk about spring up a well. Goosh, 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 goosh. Right? Remember that? Remember that? We sang those songs. Dina, you probably taught me that song. We sang those songs. So we hear living water and we think that's eternal life. But listen to her. Those are not the ears that she hears this with. Because she hears it out of her lack. She hears it out of her shame. And she says in verse 15, Sir, give me this water so that I will not thirst again or have to come here. Have to come to this well in the middle of the day. Because if I come in the morning, I hear the women whisper. If I come early in the morning, I, I see the men as they watch me walk by and I know what they're thinking. I have to endure the shame. She thinks he's still talking about water, but he's talking about new life. And that after she meets Jesus, she doesn't have to be the same person. I hear that. I hear that for the people around us. You see, it's not just that I believe there are people in our lives that Jesus longs to meet, but I believe there are people in our lives who long to meet Jesus even if they don't know that yet. I think they long to meet Jesus even if they don't know that yet. I think there are those that we encounter every day that think that they are not interested in anything that Jesus has to offer. They might even say that. I have no interest in Jesus. I got no interest in going to church. I got no use for that stuff. They might actually say those words. 
Or it might be that because of their, by their lifestyle, by the way that they live, they have put up a barrier between themselves and us, a bar- barrier between us and God for us to see that they're not interested. But I believe something more is going on. And that there is a desire there that they cannot put into words. They know there ought to be more to life. They just don't know how to express that yet. The conversation continues. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him and says, well, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying you have no husband. For you've had five husbands. The one you now have is not even your husband. What, what you've said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and it's now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. A woman said to Him, well, I I know that Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. And when He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. It's a lot to take in there. But what I think is very significant is the very first thing that Jesus asks of this woman is He asks her to serve Him. First thing Jesus asks of this woman who doesn't even know who he is yet is he asks her to serve him. Get me a glass, give me a drink of water. And then he asks her to serve him again. Bring me, bring me your husband. I think something special happens when people are given the opportunity to serve Jesus, even if they don't know that it's Jesus that they are serving. First of all, I believe with all my heart that every single individual you encounter is created in the image of God. The Bible teaches us that we all bear the image of God. When you serve someone else, you're encountering Jesus in that way. But then secondly, I can't get away from from Matthew 25, that story of the sheep and the goats, remember? Remember what Jesus says of of His lambs, of His sheep? You, you fed the hungry, you clothed the naked, you visited the sick, you cared for those who were hurting. And what happens every time they did those things? Jesus says, and as much as you did it to the least of these, you were doing it to me. Every time they served someone, they encountered Jesus. I believe that still happens. And as soon as she realizes there's something more to this man at the well, she wants to debate religion. She wants to to get into a debate. She says, you Jews say we have to worship way over there in Jerusalem, but we believe we worship here on this mountain here. Which one is right? And Jesus isn't going to have it. He cuts through all of that because by serving Him, she has already worshipped. By serving Him, she has already encountered God. She's come near to worship. She has taken those first steps toward Him toward a new life, a life without shame, a life without guilt, a life cleansed by that living water. And he simply says to her, I who speak to you am he. I'm the one you've been waiting for. I think there are people in our lives who are waiting to meet him. 
And I don't think they always know that that's what they need. I don't think that's what they know that they want. I think there are people in our lives who are still waiting to meet Jesus. They're waiting to be invited by a friend. They may be even looking for an invitation to serve Him. I think about a lot of the things that we as a church do in our community. We do some wonderful things. And over the course of the last month, we have served some families who are grieving. We've served with, with meals for, for, uh, for funerals. Uh, we're, we're organizing a meal now, or meals now, for, for some, a family that's hurting and they've been sick, they've been in the hospital. I think there's people in our community we could go to and say, would you be willing to help us out with this? People with no interest in church, but people who, who maybe would say, ah, I'm not going to church, I have no need for that. But they do. And I wonder if any of them would be willing to help us serve our neighbors and bless our neighbors. And without even knowing it, Jesus would say to them, when you did it to the least of these, you're really doing it for me. Could we invite our neighbors to come and serve? Not just come and see, but come and serve with us. And by doing so, encounter Jesus. The problem is, too often we say no for our neighbors before they even get a chance to say no. We say no for other people before they get a chance to say no. We say, ah, they wouldn't be interested. Ah, they wouldn't want to do that. They wouldn't want to help. Well, we talk an awful lot in our world about how important it is to not judge people. Don't judge people. We know that's wrong. Do you realize that's judging people? When we say, ah, they wouldn't be interested, that's, that's judging our neighbors also. That's judging people. That's judging that they wouldn't want to be asked, the woman at the well, no one had ever heard her story without judging her. And it does seem, it does seem uh, apparent that over time, she compounded mistake on top of mistake. <laughs> husband after husband after husband. Shame after shame. And there must have been those in her community that said, ah, that's just the way she is. That's the way she's always been. She'll never change. There were those in the community that would look at her and say, well, did you hear who she took up with this time? You've heard talk like that before. People around us need to see that their stories can change. They need us to see the possibilities for them that they haven't even begun to imagine for themselves. They need us to call them to come and see. They need us to call them to come and see the potential of a new identity in Christ. It's not just that this encounter with this woman changes her story. It's not just that it changes her life. It changes her entire community. In the beginning of the story, she is at the well alone because she chose to be alone. She chose to be apart from her community because it was easier to remain apart. Because everyone knew her story. Jesus says, go get your husband and come back. But she's reluctant to go get her husband. She's reluctant to bring any man back. But then, after meeting Jesus, she, she wants to bring everyone back. Skip on down to, to verse 27. Just then, His disciples came back and they marveled that He was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Instead, the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see the man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. 
Did you hear it? There it was. Come and see. Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. They already knew those stories. They already knew everything she had done. They talked about it. They gossiped about it. Some of the things that she had done were written on the walls of the men's room there in, in that city, there in Sychar. But now she sees a way out of her shame and she wants everyone else to know that there is a way out of that shame also. Really reminds me of something that the Apostle Paul wrote. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Anyone, if anyone is in Christ, there is new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. What is the proper response to that realization that new creation has happened in your life, that you're not the person you were before? Paul says the proper response in verse 20 is, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Come and see. Come and see what He can do. And we still don't know her name. We don't know the name of that woman at the well. I do love that song. And the, the singer said, that woman was me. And I think any one of us could see that, that there are people in our lives, maybe our own lives, we've, we've seen that story. We don't know her story, but we don't know her name, excuse me, but we do know some other names. I want to I share a couple names with you. First name is, this is Nancy Piercy. Nancy Piercy was raised in a, a Christian home, but she never proclaimed any faith in Jesus for herself. She was much more interested in just the philosophies of this world and what this world offered. She declared herself to be an atheist and committed to reading all of the great philosophers and studying philosophy. And one day she picks up a philosophy book, flips it open and falls in love with the book and the author is just the most amazing person she'd ever heard of. And the author's name was Francis Schaeffer. A Presbyterian theologian and philosopher. One of the very first thinkers that I was ever exposed to at Lincoln Christian College. Nancy Piercy went to work with Frances Schaefer. Today, she writes books about her faith and about philosophy. She confronts this world that, uh, that she's left behind uh, by teaching people how to think Christianly about the world around them. I'd tell you about this woman too. This is Rosaria Butterfield. Rosaria probably fits the mold of the woman at the well in, in many, many ways. Rosaria, I won't go into all the details of her life, but she was, she was an atheist college professor and she was one who made sure that her students would never, ever even consider Christianity. Her heart, her mind, her entire lifestyle spoke to, to abandoning, to, to, to no faith at all, that all we had is right here and right now, and this is what we should enjoy. And one night, she decided to go to her neighbor's house because her neighbor was having a Bible study. And she wanted to hear what those Christians were going on about so she could figure out how to work against them, so she could figure out how to straighten them out, how to, how to tell those Christians that they were wrong. She went to that Bible study to prove Christianity wrong, and she ended up meeting Jesus. 
And today, she writes and speaks and travels and influences believers all over. She wrote a beautiful book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key, where she says that one of the most Christ-like things we can do is simply invite people, come and see. Invite the broken, invite the hurting, invite the lost into our homes, into our lives as part of our response to Jesus, is hearing Jesus' call. She's an amazing, both of these ladies are amazing. I think, I think of Rosaria, and I think of Nancy, and I think about how the ends of their stories were much bigger than the beginning. The end of their story is much bigger than just one person finding Jesus, one person admitting that, that there's more to this world, one person admitting that they need this and finding faith because they've changed the world around them. They have built communities of love and forgiveness. And you know, we see the same thing in this woman who we still don't know her name. This nameless woman at the well. You look at the ending of the story, verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in Him because of, what, because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his words. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have now heard him for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. That simple invitation, come and see, changed her entire community, turned her community around, and in the end, her shame is gone and it has been replaced with forgiveness and the grace of the One who offered her living water so that she would never thirst again. And I think you and I have to ask ourselves a couple hard questions. I think one of the questions you and I need to ask ourselves is, is there someone in your life who you've already said no to Jesus for them? You've already said, no, they wouldn't be interested. No, they, they, they wouldn't be interested in, in Jesus. They wouldn't be interested in, in coming here. They wouldn't be interested in, in anything that we do. They wouldn't be interested in helping out with some of these service projects that we have. Would you have done the same with Nancy Piercy? Would you have done the same with Rosaria Butterfield? Would you have done the same with that woman at the well? She, she wouldn't be interested in a Messiah. What about... Peter, that hot-headed fisherman, would you have done the same with him? What about Paul? You certainly wouldn't have invited Saul of Tarsus to come and see. I wonder about me. Would you have invited me to come and see? Come and see. Someone in your life needs to hear those words. And while they don't know it yet, they don't they don't know they need Jesus. They do know you. And they know that you love them. They know that you're concerned about them. And they know you to be a person of faith. They know that your faith is important to you. They need to hear those words. Come and see. We're going to sing here in just a moment. Sing Sanctuary today. You know, I, I, I've always rebelled against this notion. And some of you being a little, 
oh, more experienced in life and a little more traditional maybe. Maybe you've referred to this room as the sanctuary. I've always just liked to call it the auditorium. And here's why. You're the sanctuary. You and I are, are, are the sanctuary. We are, what, we are that presence. We, we bring that presence of God into this place. And it's wonderful when we come together and we worship and we share that love and we share that, that communion together. But when you go to your friend who's hurting, when you go to your friend who needs help, when you go to your friend that maybe even you've written off and said they wouldn't be interested, you bring the sanctuary to them. You bring something of the presence of Christ to them. I don't want us to ever forget that. Jesus had, Jesus had to go to Samaria. It might be that you have to go to your neighbor. You have to go to a friend. You have to make that phone call because God has an appointment for you just to simply invite someone to come and see. Let's pray and we'll sing together and we'll take communion. Father, I thank You so much for the, the gift that You give us of that eternal life, that, that spring of living water that wells up within us. I thank You that You see potential in us far beyond anything we've ever imagined for ourselves. I think of our friends. I think of some friends right now who, who appear to be very, very stuck in their lives. And I know they need You. I suspect that they know that they need You also. You have given us the gift of, of Your presence, of Your promise, of Your Holy Spirit. I, I pray, Father, for the, for the compassion to reach out to our friends and bring Your presence to them. Lord, it, it may be that we have a divine appointment coming up with someone. Would You give us the compassion to reach out to them? It may be that there is someone in our lives that need that, they need that invitation to simply come and see. And I pray that we're willing to extend that. I thank You, Father, for this gift that You've given us to remember Your Son's sacrifice, His body broken, His blood shed. And I pray today that as we encounter Christ again at the table, we'll think of those who are in our lives that, that desperately need that encounter. They need to know that Jesus loves them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.